Ashley brought Ring Diane Palmer's book, Merciless, Chapter 10. Kilraven found Jocelyn in the kitchen, just mopping up Marky's face. He was laughing as she tickled his nose with the napkin. They both looked up when he entered the room. Well, that must have been a good lunch, he told the boy with a smile. It was great, Marky said. Megs is putting that new cartoon movie on for you to watch in the living room, he told John. I hear you really want to see it. Oh, I do, thanks. Our pleasure. Megs came to the door and motioned to the boy, smiling as the adults as she did so. See you later, Mom, Marky called as he ran toward Megs. He's a real fine youngster, Kilraven said quietly. Thanks, I think so. Turned back to her, and he was one. Ever hear, ever hear the Locred Exchange Principle? She searched her Of course, every criminal who steals something leaves some trace of his presence behind. Rook has few peers in evidence gathering. He found a partial fingerprint on the table by your bed. It's consistent with prints on file. She, she bit her lower lip. Who's Prince? A former cab burglar who did all jobs for Jay Cooper. Refresh your time. Why was he in my apartment? I don't have anything worth stealing. You kept a diary, Rook said. He replied. She bit her lower lip part. I burned it. <laughs> Any decent burglar can make a photocopy. Photograph a copy of a document without taking the original. That would indicate a blackmail attempt, but I don't know anything that could hurt anyone else. Come in here a minute, will you? He opened the door to the library. She hesitated, but he looked so somber that she went inside and let him close the door behind him. He went to a party with John a little over four years ago. He said without being able. He was given a psychotropic drug without his knowledge, and he wound up in the hospital. You drove him there. Yes, it was a sick joke by the boyfriend of the girl he rescued from kidnapping, she said. Soon after that, you tried to quit your job, and very soon after that, you became pregnant. She averted her eyes. I went out with a friend, and we had too much to drink. She began, my brother is the father of your child. Here, look out. He caught her. As she started to fall, he put her on the sofa and pushed her head down gently till the wave of nausea popped. Damn, he pleaded. I'm sorry. I should have been more careful. She swallowed, then swallowed again. Tears went up in her eyes. You're just guessing. She bit up. I'm not, he replied quietly. He said, damn, sorry. Your son's blood type is A positive. So is John's. I checked dates. According to the police report, he went to the party with John almost exactly nine months before Marky was born. Dates can be coincidental, and a lot of people share the same blood type. She began helplessly. I don't know what was in that diary, but I can guess. You have to tell John before he finds out from Harold Monroe or someone in his organization. She looked up with torture. And you think he'd believe me? She asked intrusively. Why do you think I kept it to myself all this time? You were the only woman he ever took to a party, he said. Yes, and he's rich and I could barely pay my rent. She said, oh, he didn't even know me that well. He'd have thought I was blaming him to make a nice little secure nest egg for myself. That's cynical. Sure it is, she replied, but it would have been his first thought. It would probably still be your mother's. We all know how she feels about her son. Would you rather he heard it on the six o'clock news? That sort of thing Monroe would consider good fun. She sat up straight. You're assuming that Harold Monroe was the one who sent the burglar to my apartment. You're also assuming that he photographed my diary. They're good assumptions. Why else would he have been there? She frowned. How could, how would he even known about the diary? He was frowning now. Then why go into your apartment? Exactly. He was looking for something he thought I had. Her eyes nailed in. 
concentration, then suddenly she sat up abruptly. Wait a minute, I've forgotten something. There was a file detailing personal and criminal information about Bart Hancock. I was going to transcribe it, but the day John was... The day John was shot, I took the file home to work on it. It was the day of the robbery at my apartment. Did you take it back? I couldn't find it, she said, flushing. I was going to tell the boss, but then after John got shot in the robbery at my place, I was so upset that I forgot all about it. Oh, boy, am I in trouble? They'll fire me for incompetence. They won't, but the DA needs to know about that file. I'll talk to him. She was almost prostrated with relief until she realized that she spilled the beans to kill Raven. She looked at him with horror. I'm not going to tell John about Marky, he sure nearly, but you have to. You know that. I'm not telling him, she said suddenly, and you're not telling him. He's never believed it. You don't think I was lying out of greed. I've told people for years that Marky's father was in the military and died overseas. I'm not changing that story now. I looked at the stubborn sentiment. How do you think John is going to feel if he knows that he has a son and he was never told about? He's never going to know, she said flatly. If he wanted to be married by now, he would be, and it wouldn't be to a low-class nobody like me. My parents were farm people. My father was the first person in his entire family to ever get a college degree. My mother never even graduated from high school. She works as a waitress, and her husband works as a night watchman. We're the sort of people your mother would never voluntarily invite into her home home. Cammy's not like that, he said, so you don't really know her. I know that she wants the best for her son, she said, avoiding his eyes. John, just as I want the best for my own, it's not a bad thing to leave some secret son off. Kill Raven. You're not going to bend an inch, are you? She shook her head. I had to decide whether or not to keep my child, she said to her. I made the only decision I could, but I also had to consider what would happen to John if he was presented with the consequences of an accident he doesn't even remember having. Happening, she looked up at him. I couldn't make him responsible for something he did in a drug state of mind, something he'll never remember. I could have stopped. I didn't. It's my fault. I was only a little tipsy. He wasn't. And you love him? She smiled again. Yes? She looked. And you won't tell him? He shook his head. No, but I think you're wrong about telling him the truth and about his reaction. He's furious that I had to bring Rook up here. Rook is here? She asked on. He's been here ever since you arrived. I couldn't take the chance that Monroe might make good on this threat. He's a fumble-fingered idiot, but he has friends who aren't. You really think he was only after the file? He's yes. Jackson, I'll still be in trouble about that. I don't think so, but tell John about the file just to be on the safe side. She nodded. Think about what I've said. Just think about it. She goes, I will, but I won't change my mind. Fair enough. Rook walked into the room with Kilraven a few minutes and said, Jocelyn, my angel, he explained, hoping both arms were. We can be married in ten minutes, if you'll just agree. I can bribe a judge. I work for the government, she said stiffly, and she didn't smile. He threw up his hand. Are you, are they all like that? Yes, Kilraven. So I full business and popped up with maintaining the law. Most of us are, yes, Kilraven said with proud purse lips. Don't take her side, Rook pleaded. I'm dying of unrequited love, and you're not helping me a bit. You're supposed to be protecting her, not trying to marry her, Kilraven pointed out. Damn straight. John said from the doorway of his bedroom, he was haphazardly wrapped in a blue toweling robe with striped pajama bottoms below and bare feet. Below and bare feet lower in a bare broad chest visible in the opening. He was glaring at Rook. You shouldn't be out of bed, Jocelyn fussed. John lifted an eyebrow. I'm tired of laying down. 
You'll tear her open the wound. He glared even more darkly. Got it out. She glared back. Blood is hard to get out of beach carpet, she said gruffly. He burst out laughing and winced as he pulled the stitches. See there? That's why you shouldn't be out of bed. Kill Raven. Make him lie down, she told his brother. I had up stitches the last time I tried to make him do anything. Kill Raven told her patiently. She sighed with pure exasperation. He's going to pull something loose, said John. Ignored them both. Without glaring, Rook, you're here to keep her and the boy safe, not to make a spectacle of yourself with mock marriage proposals. We clear? Rook's eyebrows met over his eye and eye patch. His own pale brown eyes twinkled musically. Oh, yes, sir, he agreed. John Black eyes narrowed. And you're not to let the child out of your sight, ever. Rick chuckled off. Something funny, John said, asked belligerently. Well, considering that the boy shares a sweep with his mother, and you want me to watch him around the clock, you know what I mean? John, you're tottering. Kilraven said, moving to his brother. Now get back in bed. Stop trying to micromanage everything and everyone around you. I'm not tolerant. <laughs> Kilraven called him as he pitched forward. Told you so, he muttered. Now come on, back to bed. He uplifted the younger man back into his room and into his huge bed. Now stay there, he said firmly. Jocelyn peered around the door. Is he all right? She asked warmly. John's dark eyes smiled in her. Just a little weakness, he assured. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> Okay, she replied in relay. If you're sure. Did you check with Betty at the office about that court date for Jacob's Jacob Ryan's preliminary hearing, the one I'm supposed to testify at? Yes. Forgot. I'll do it right now. You watched her work away with soft, quiet eyes. Go over and push slips in his asthma. She's nice, he said. Don't know. John nodded. I'm lucky to have her, even if she won't make coffee. Kilraven didn't reply to that. He was busy worrying about other complications. Ones that were going to be inevitable when the truth came out. <laughs> Jocelyn had John's work caught up in three days. She was uncertain about whether or not to remain. He was healing well, but there were things she could do at the office and needed to do to prevent a pileup when he returned. But he was reluctant to have her leave. They got into the habit of having a bedtime snack together after Marky went to sleep. Of course, it led inevitably to hot sessions in his bed that were growing more passionate and harder to stop as time went on. Her reaction to him was instantly helplessly responsive. He knew it and became even more insistent, but she was able to pull back. Barely. We can't, she said huskily when he became even more insistent about on Justin. Why can't we? He murmured against her shoulders. Everyone else does it. She pulled his head back. Because we aren't everyone else, she insisted, and because I already have one child out of wedlock. <laughs> Took his own morning breath. Yes. She sat up, rearranging her clothes, and got to feet. I should leave. No. She turned and looked down at him. It's only going to get worse, she said miserably. It's just because you know me, and this is a new experience. You don't even like me, usually. He was looking at her with hungry eyes. I've always liked you. Oh, really? She asked in a teasing tone. Was that before or after you threw a law book at me? I threw it at the wall, he pointed out, and it wasn't a law book. It was a gaming magazine. <laughs> he made a face to grin at him. I really do have to get back to the office, and I need some space just for a few days. He cocked his sentence down here. Then what, after the few days? She ran along, breath. Can't we talk about that later? His face went to You're looking for an exit sign. My whole life has been a series of exit signs, she murmured. You don't think I'm serious? You don't know me, she replied. You don't know a thing about me. <laughs> you run. What do I need to know? More than I'm willing to tell you at the moment, and I do need some sleep.
He grimaced. He laid back down with a sigh. I suppose you're right. Maybe it wouldn't hurt us to slow down a little. I'm glad you agree. I'm being forced to. He pointed out, but he smiled. She said, I want you to get well. Me too. He gave her a long look. But Rookie's going back with you. I don't like it. He confessed. But I have to agree that it'll take care of you. She felt insecure. You don't think someone would really try to hurt Marky? They killed my niece. She swallowed a brush of panic. Yes? They won't get Marky, I promise you they won't, he said. She let herself relax. She said, thanks. And we'll talk some more tomorrow. She hesitated, but a smile was intoxicating. Her heart jumped. She smiled back and nodded. Tomorrow. Jocelyn jumped out of bed, aglow with the newness of her relationship with John, and hoped that they might feel really be a future for them. She was hurting March, Mark, Marky toward the kitchen when she opened the door and ran into a nightmare. Cammy Blackhawk gave her and the child a glare that would have stopped a rampaging horde. What are you doing in my home? She asked coldly. Jocelyn wasn't usually lost for words, but she had reason to fear this woman in her reaction. She hesitated. Working? Not for me, Kimmy said suddenly. I have never invited you here. I never would. And to bring that that child here, how dare you? Jocelyn bent and lifted Marky into her arms. He was looking upset already. Stared at the dark-haired woman with wide shocked eyes. Please lower your voice, Jocelyn said stiffly. You're upsetting Marky. As if I care, the other woman replied hotly. You had your fun, and he's the living proof of it. Proof that you have no morals whatsoever. Jocelyn put her lower. You don't know a thing about me, she said huskily. I know all I need to. You're here trying to turn my son's head to make yourself attractive to him. You're chasing him because he has money in your port. You stop yelling at my mommy, you bad old girl, Marky said angrily. Kemi was momentarily diverted by the child, which gave Jocelyn enough time to turn on a heel, go back the way she come. Where are we going, Mommy? Mark asked. Home, baby, as soon as I can pack. Her heart was beating overtime. She was almost in a panic mode. She was. Mode she, who rarely panicked. She'd never seen such hatred in another human's eyes. Good, he muttered and buried his face in her. I don't like her. She's mean. You stay away from my son, Kimmy had only. I bought my young friend here to take care of him while he's recuperating. We don't need you. Well, that meant he would miss out on... Any exciting passion news, but it was beyond Jocelyn's whirling mind to vocalize the thought. She put Marky down and started putting things into a ragged old suitcase. Cammy stood in the doorway, waiting her arms folded tight over her chest. Outraged that the woman had been here with John, alone in her own house, while she was in Europe. Make sure you don't take one thing that isn't yours, Cammy snapped. Jocelyn ignored her. Marky clung to his mother. I don't like you, dear, he told her. I want to leave. We're going in just a minute, baby, Jocelyn told him. The child's voice was good. He was breathing, honestly. Jocelyn went down on her knee. Breathe. Breathe. Look at me. Just breathe, okay? Don't think about it. Just breathe. Here. She grabbed her wrist. Breathe in. Again. Yes. Better? He nodded. His chest rose and fell rapidly, but with less force. His breathing regulated just a little as the medicine started What's wrong with him? Cammy asked reluctantly. Nothing at all. Get your toys, sweetheart. Marky picked up a warm bear and a ragged cowboy doll and hugged him to his chest. He was still a little shaky. Jocelyn was worried sick, but she didn't dare show it. She finished putting her in a few articles of clothing in the suitcase, stuffed Marky into his jacket and put it on her own. She picked up her purse in the suitcase. You're welcome to check my luggage, she told Cammy. The other woman was looking at them. With eyes that saw more than they wanted to. They saw poverty and hopelessness and reluctant acquisitions to an unreasonable demand. Well, 
We'll go now. Dawson says she took Marky's hand and led him out the door. She stopped and turned her chin, lifted him with quiet pride. Can you please ask someone to drive us to the bus station in town? It's too far for Marky to walk. You don't have a car? My car wouldn't make it past downtown San Antonio, Mrs. Blackhawk. Justin said with painful pride. Mr. Blackhawk flew us up here. I'll have one of the hands drive you to town. Thank you. We'll wait on the porch. She took Marky along with her. Cammy picked up the in-house phone. Have one of the men drive Miss Thingy to the bus station with her son. She spoke continue. She's on the porch. I'll drive her myself, you racket old bat. Came in half a kidney-seam accent tone on the phone. I knew you can take your prejudice in your old world attitude and go straight to hell with them. The phone on the other end was slammed down. I never, she explained outraged. She stormed into John's bedroom. Her protege was trying to puff up his pillows while he glared at her. That terrible man told me to go to hell, she told John Feeney. What sort of people do you have working here? Who told you that? He asked Feeney. That rook person, she said angrily. I only asked someone to take your secretary to town to catch a bus. Jocelyn, catch a bus, he said straight up. Damn it. Now, John, he reached for the Give me rook. I'll wait. He glared at me. Rook, what's going on? She did what? Yes, yes, you go with them. Take her to the airship. I'll send the pilot down. Tell her, hell, never mind. I'll tell her myself. He hung up, he got it. He hung up. He got him. I'm going back to San Antonio. Get the hell out of my bedroom. He told the blonde and his mother. John, Cammy said, I'm sorry. Please don't get up. I was getting better until you decided to destroy my life. Cammy bit her lip. Tears were forming in her eyes. John, that woman has designs on you. I don't think you really understand. You're the one who doesn't understand. John shot back. He was furious. You're not going to manage my life for me. You're not going to tell me whom I can marry or what I can do. You're my mother, not my owner. Cammy shipped her stance. You're sick and now I've upset you. I'm very sorry. I apologize. So what's her name later? Her name is Jocelyn. He said a tone that threatened. Yes, of course. Jocelyn, she strained. She had a child out of wedlock. So did you. John shot back furiously. Cam's face went white. As she, what? Except that you chose termination over delivery. Isn't that right? John persisted while the blonde stood by in total shock without saying a word. You were afraid that my father wouldn't want the child since you weren't married to him at the time and you had a termination. It wasn't until he proposed that you realized what you've done. But it was too late then, wasn't it? She leaned back against the wall, shattered. I never told anybody. Dad drank, he said coldly. When he drank, he talked. He'd have married you, he said, if you'd only told him in time. He grieved for the child. He grieved for you, for a decision you'd made that he thought would tear you apart. His eyes were cold. But it didn't hurt you. Did it, Kemi? Since you came sit, since you can set in judgment on a woman who had more courage than you did. She closed her eyes and shivered. Oh, this is... Ah, this is obviously a very private conversation. I'll thank God just wait outside, the blonde said, tiptoeing out of the room. You can wait with her, John told her. I'm leaving as soon as I can get dressed. Cammy opened her eyes. They were dark. I thought it was the only thing I could do, she said. I never thought about how it would be after. I never wanted you to know. My father wished that he didn't know, he returned. You're so self-righteous, Cammy. You're right. Everybody else is wrong. You know just what other people should do, how they should live, who they should marry. Had a goalie nodding toward the close door. But who are you to make those decisions? Cammy folded her arms over it. I want you to be happy. And you think living with your vogue-obsessed candidate could make me happy? <laughs> he asked him to 
Maybe. Maybe I've been a little over. A little. He glared. Let me tell you something. If I had to marry a woman like that, he nodded toward the door. To get a child, I'd be a bachelor forever. Looks don't matter to me. Their quality's far more important. She shifted in again. She looked quite guilty. That little boy, he doesn't breathe. He has asthma, he said calmly. He has violent attacks on laying him in the hospital. Especially when he's upset. Cameron, Jocelyn isn't going to have a, an easy time of it, thanks to you. And I'm going back to San Antonio with... With... He grimaced it almost, fell. Cameron rushed forward and caught him. She helped him back to the bed. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Damn it. He ground out as he lay back down. He was too weak to carry out the threat. She smoothed back his clean, dark hair. As she had when he was a sick little boy. It's all right. I'll make everything all right. Don't you worry. You just get well. She bit her lip hard. I'm sorry. Tears were rolling down her cheeks. John didn't reply. He was so angry he couldn't even manage words. Jocelyn fought tears all the way to San Antonio. She was upset, but Marky was even more upset. She knew already that it agitated. His agitation meant a hospital visit. He was building to an attack, even with the medicine he used. I'm sorry, love. Rook said gently. I mean it. Kami can be... Uh, he grimaced as he glanced at her. Well, she can pay a pill. Not her fault, Jocelyn replied with a little smile. She doesn't know me. Her loss, he replied in the tenderness in his home, but a muffled sob from her throat. Now, now. He sat down beside her and pulled her close. Not to worry. The word's still going around. Right, me boy? He <laughs> asked Marcus with a grin. Marcus worried about his mother. She was crying. That mean old lady had upset her. But the big man sitting with him made him feel... Comforted as if it would be all right. Small back. Sure, it would be all right if he could just breathe. End of chapter 10.